I don't know if anyone's, even if they're not doing a book, I don't think anyone's trip ever ends just like that. I think it's always with you and like the impact it has on you is always influencing your day-to-day for God knows how long, maybe forever. Like you look at everyone who's done a trip I've talked to, it's inf- it changes the way you behave as a human and the way you um, interact with people. Um, it changes, yeah, so much. You really do develop a lot on it. So I don't think you ever really... The trip never really leaves you. Welcome to the show. This is me, John, Penning Podcast, cycling from Sydney all the way back to home, which is London. And right now, I'm in Melbourne. Yep. Started the trip from Sydney, rode down to Melbourne. Uh, I'm a little bit ahead of, well, not ahead of schedule, ahead of the podcasting schedule. So right now, we're closing out season one, which is the New Zealand side of what I did there. We've got the big bike trip guys coming up. They're going to tell us about the Bali to London trip, what they did, how they did it, why they did it, and what the other thing that they did at the end of it, which is pretty bloody cool and it involved a book by Penguin. So kudos to them guys for doing that. The show's coming up shortly. Just want to mention a few things. Right now, the logo, Pedaling Podcasts, with the big illustration that my friend Blake Gordon did, is available to buy. So if you're interested in picking up a really cool t-shirt, supporting the show a little bit, I mean, it's super cheap. I make hardly anything from it. I'm just really stoked to see people wearing the t-shirt. So if you do buy it, let me know if you wear it. Also, take some pictures, share them, because I love to see people wearing it out on the road as well. Don't forget, also, you can follow me on Instagram, which is where I'm sharing most of my things these days, and also on Facebook too. If you just search for Peddling Podcast, I mean, you know how to spell it. It's pretty much why you're listening to this podcast too. And also the show notes available for this as well. So if you want to see what the guys look like, look at their photography, which is unbelievable. Just check out the show notes, look inside the show notes within your podcast, click on the link and go and have a look online and see what those guys did. An amazing story. uh, And I'm super stoked to share what those guys did uh, and how the trip went for them. So have a listen. Let me know. Okay, boys, welcome to the uh, welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> you brought me here. I'm drinking your tea. It's <laughs> true. Host. It's true. That's a good cup of tea. Yeah, it's mm. not bad actually. Yeah. Does anyone want any, uh, another biscuit before they actually record stuff? I actually yeah. drank too much of my tea. No, Don't get anything. All right. Uh, so I guess just like do that that intro then to introduce each person and just give a quick like quick summary of the trip. I guess how you would like a you new program, you know? Okay, I'll okay, introduce one, two, and three. Or do I do we I'll introduce yourself? Then you introduce yourself, then you introduce yourself, then we'll talk about it. You do the Okay. Cool. So um, I'm Freddie. I'm the, uh, the. I was in charge of the logistics of the trip, I suppose, and um, breaking the wind predominantly. <laughs> you definitely were. Um, I'm Arthur. I was in charge of the social media, and I was the drone pilot throughout the trip. Um, uh, I was probably the second windbreaker behind Freddie. Um, I had to yeah, experience most of his wind throughout most of the trip. Uh, and I'm Sean, and I documented Freddie and Arthur's trip of a lifetime. <laughs> the photographer. And yeah. yeah, so we cycled from, we set off in May 2017 uh, from Bali. Uh, so we flew from Auckland to Bali, and then we rode across the, that through Indonesia, through Southeast Asia. Uh, across India, Nepal, and then from Georgia to Blisi, through uh, right through Europe to London, eventually finishing what was twenty-three thousand kilometer bike tour. 
um, and we were raising money for leukemia and blood cancer in New Zealand. Um, the aim was one dollar per kilometer. So and yeah, we smashed was, it. And, <laughs> and we got there, yeah. <laughs> so that was our, yeah, I suppose that's our trip in a very brief nutshell. What was the final amount you raised in the end? 30, that's over 35,000 oh, now. Yeah. A shade over $35,000. So we right. almost did maybe a, a dollar. $40? We were helped from our, our, our title sponsor, the Beauty Collective. They um, helped us raise about eight and a half grand, I think, um, through their system. So when we arrived in London, well, actually, we're four days away from London. We stayed with my godmother, and um, we were on $18,000, and obviously we were on 23,000 Ks at that point. We're like, shit, we're going to fall short a wee bit. And then um, over those four days, people actually realized that we were going to finish the trip. So then over that, that time, only four days, we raised five grand, which was quite special. And then the first time we actually found out we'd hit our target was when we got to London and the BBC reporter asked us if we'd... Uh, I was like, um, we tried to raise a dollar per kilometre and he told me, he was like, you guys did it. Went up, yeah. At the finish line, succeeded, which is really yeah. cool. Was, yeah, yeah, pretty special moment. So let's go back then. Let's go all the way back to... Um, well, when did the idea start? Where did the first seed of the idea kind of come about? Who had it? Um, Probably it was almost 10 years ago now, it would have been, maybe. I'm just going to say, I swear that number keeps getting bigger. It does get bigger. Well, because the years keep passing. <laughs> <laughs> but not they, that fast. <laughs> the, the, that number gets bigger than the amount of years that pass. Well, well it's, I'm 26 now, it would have been about that. It would have been about 16 years old, when, 16, 17, when we came up with the ideas for form. Maybe even, yeah. it's maybe even more now. Anyway, we were about fifth form, and we were just, I remember... Our parents had cycled from um, through India and Nepal in the 80s. They'd done a big trip and we'd spent our whole lives, I suppose, camping and riding bikes and mountain biking and doing all those kind of outdoor activities. And we never really, Arthur and I had never really travelled much as kids. So um, I suppose it was just inevitable that slowly that we were headed towards that direction. And then one day I, I remember looking at the map and just... Do you also a combined combine that with the fear of what happens after you know our formal education finishes and we have to actually do mm. something yeah the big that terror played a yeah. big part as well we wanted a big gap between having to face that reality and we drew a line across the map one day I remember saying it to Sean I was like I'm going to cycle from here to London and Sean was basically there was never even one second of doubt I don't think of you saying you wouldn't do it it was always just yep count me in and then Arthur slowly just warmed to the idea Arthur was never going to Stay behind. Su suffer from a severe case of FOMO. So severe. If these guys had gone on this trip, I would have just been sitting at home, being like, "What the fuck am I doing?" <laughs> so yeah. Well, so, so 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 when did the actual when did you confirm? When did you actually like say, "This is we're doing this. We, this is this is it." Like, I don't know if there was ever a particular date, but I think we're all the sort of people, especially once Arthur had said that he wanted to do it. We're all the sort of people that when we get an idea for something, I could quite confidently say it will happen. Mm -hmm. Like even for our ideas for trips in the future I think the fact that we've said we're going to do them mm, it's inevitable happen, to me yeah. mm. I so I don't think there was ever a particular point where we because I think once we had thought of the idea it was like well okay it will happen now mm. and, and with that in mind I think it was probably about almost almost 10 years it was, it was almost back in the, that um, when we were that old when we thought of the idea there was never any doubt in my mind that we weren't going to do it I suppose specifically, like there was a moment I remember when I went to Arthur and was like, right, we're buying the bikes now. We're purchasing the bikes. It's now is investment. Mm. Like we've been saving for years, but now is like we're going to start spending money on the trip. Yeah. Do you want to buy a bike as well? I remember asking that question. And he was kind of like, 
yeah, I was in a bit of, yeah, it was a hard hard time for me. But um, but yeah, I remember just sort of maybe second year uni for me, so 2013, sort of got a job and or 2014, and then started saving for it. And I think for that that point when I just actually started putting money away and having a sale, like a oh, sorry, not a sales target, the um <laughs> savings target. <laughs> um, that was when I sort of, you know, thought this is, this was going to happen. I'm not going to save all this money just to not do it. And then I got to the point where I had enough money to pay off my student loan, and I was like, shit, do I just pay off my student loan and then maybe do a trip in a couple of years? And I was just like, shit, the, time, decision the time is now. <laughs> the time is the, yeah, the time is now. So we, um, Freddie said, I'm buying bikes. Do you want to do you want a bike as well? I was like, yeah, buy the bike. <laughs> so, so what? What? Why cycling though? Why riding a bike? Like, because. In a, in a after finishing uni, like people do all sorts of stuff, travel, mm. they spend time in different countries, doing whatever. But choosing a bike to to ride, like, mm. what 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 pulled you to that decision? I guess it was a, like part of it was because um, our parents, Fred and my my mum and dad, they um, did the the trip through India and Nepal. So we saw that kind of um, trip, and they said it was just like an amazing way to see the world. And and obviously, having not done, I don't know, like having not done much travel as kids, it was. We really wanted to see everything in mm. a way, and we wanted it to be challenging as well. It, it had to be something that was going to be difficult, and it just appealed. It was like on the road every day. You're doing exercise. You're living a what was ultimately quite a healthy lifestyle while ticking off these massive challenges, and it is relatively efficient. Like you can still knock out distance. Like you know, you can cover a country in, in a few weeks or whatever. So you, you still get across a good amount of ground. And it was a challenge, and so I just thought it kind of it was perfect. And you can cross borders easy. You don't need like insurance or registration stuff or anything. You just cross over. It's easy. And so. I think also like for me with no cycling background and my parents not having, so that wasn't a motivator for me. But the challenge aspect was basically totally it, but also the slight absurdity of it. So you tell like say tell my parents about we've got this idea. I vividly remember Dad multiple times being like, "Oh, whatever." <laughs> so for me, that's like, you know what? Like, yeah, I will do it, and you watch me do it. Mm. Part of it was like proving people wrong yeah, as well. Like, the I more think... the more people we told about it, that was also like a uh, way to like validate. Valid. Well, it was a way to like confirm that we were going to do it. But we kept telling more people that we were going to do this crazy thing, and the more people you tell, the more. You yeah. have to you have to do it now, but also the more people you tell, the more people go whatever. Like there's no way you can do that. And you go, yes, see we can. Like we will. We have to. Don't we? We're gonna do. Yeah, that happened. So you see, so you did. So what was what was like the? So how, how did it? How was the like final year leading up to to leaving? Like, what was all the prep like? Was that year wasn't that good really to be honest? Well, because we <laughs> I think we worked ourselves up about it a wee bit. You know, it was like a bit of a quarter life crisis moment we'd all finished uni we did like a, Sean and I had done one year and a bit in the workforce and had kind of in that little like crisis what are we doing with life mode as well as you two leaving girlfriends behind as well that stress that impending and obviously my I had a relationship which went went um, south because of the bike trip um, and that was you know a sacrifice we were making some pretty massive sacrifices to do this thing and that weighed on our minds massively and um, and I just suppose it was scary. It was scary. Like at the start, it was really nerve-wracking. The idea of quitting everything, leaving, having not travelled that much before, to just quit everything and do something that we've ne- had no experience in doing, 
that everyone's telling you that you probably can't do it or that it's going to be really difficult and to just refuse to listen to them and go and do it it was really terrifying mm. well there was a like a it was a massive commitment because you're all kind of potentially given up like relationships you know potential futures and jobs mm. and but you're I, so, so I actually um it's funny my when i told my boss um so i pulled him aside one night after he'd had a couple of glasses of wine he'd wanted been wanting to talk to me about like um from i don't know promoting was the right word but like giving me more responsibility and he was like oh, I've had a few wines I'm not sure it's the right time to talk and I was like it's definitely a good time to talk and then we sat down and I was like before you say anything I'm actually quitting so like just the same I was passing up on you know probably all those sorts of opportunities but we all knew that that was what we had to do because mm. at the end of the day I would take the trip a hundred times out of a hundred over that promotion. Mm. But I just wouldn't even bet an eyelid. So, so you're so you're all committed now. You've all made the sacrifices. You're committed. Mm. What about like um, prepping for the trip? Because when I spoke to that world spokes guys, the uh, Anake and Tane, they were like, they didn't even get time to test their stuff. Mm. They were literally trying it out on the local parks in London and getting told off. <laughs> yeah, they told us yesterday that trip. Yeah, yeah. So that so so you know, how, how much did you get? to prep the equipment, the gear list, that kind of stuff, like... After that, I think you'd done one ride to the Domain, Auckland Domain from Greyland on, on your bike. <laughs> about 10k. About 10k's on that bike, but <laughs> Sean and I had a bit more time, we went down and we did the Otago Rail Trail on, on the bikes and we kind of learnt a few things. It was definitely very helpful there. But, um, yeah, that was maybe a 500k trip. But other than that, and that was our first ever cycle tour, mm-hmm. other than that, we were still... But we got tested big time in that. It was like yeah, there was rain every day. Rain and eating raw vegetarian sausages because <laughs> we couldn't cook anything because it was pissing down and riding in sludge because the bikes are so heavy. And we weren't fully set up on the bikes so they didn't have mud guards or anything, which <laughs> it was on the off-road the whole way, well, pouring... That, like half of it. Well, yeah, a bit more half, maybe like <laughs> 60% of the way. Um, and our bikes were covered in f- it was filthy, so we learnt we definitely need mud guards. And uh, we just. I, but I, I remember coming out of that, even though it was like, to be blunt, it was quite shitty. I remember coming out of it and thinking, yeah, we're sweet, we can do this. Even though I'd still. My experience on a bike was very limited at, mm. at that point, I was like, oh, yeah, we'll be fine. Yeah, I think if you can do a 500k tour, there's not really any difference between a 500k tour and a 20,000k tour. Mm. I don't but think it's. Is, is it because you just break it down mm. in such a sh- yeah, it, small chunk? Yeah, all the time you break it down on a massive tour, you break it down to. You never think, like, you think about the, the end and you dream about it, I suppose, and you visualize it, but you never. You're, in your head, you're actually only processing, like, okay, let's get from, like, 500k, that might be a week. Or, no, let's get to lunch. Or, like. <laughs> or that. But, like, ultimately, I was always thinking okay, we've got a burst of four days. It might be 400Ks, it might be 500, whatever it is. And then after that, those four days, we get to this town and then we're going to have a few days off. Mm. And so it was always, you break it down into that and then the next bit and then the next bit. And then it's like, oh, we've got a new country coming up soon. That's in four days. That's going to be exciting. Mm. And then so you just, and each time you tick into a new country, that kind of like, you get hit by this little burst of energy and excitement because everything's different again. And suddenly you're like... It just you you were ne- I never felt like ever it was a drag or, or a massive mm. task or anything like that. Maybe like if we were in Vietnam for a very long time, towards the end we were kind of like 
ready to change countries but um, yeah ultimately it was yeah you just break it down and it's, it, so what about the, the so how did you decide on the route you were going to take um we so just the, the route sort of began with uh, originally the, the plan was to do the whole thing go cycle the whole way and start in Australia and things but then after a while it sort of just you know shortened down to um to so um, just to Asia we're like we might as well like we can do Australia another time because it's so close for us so we decided to go to Bali because Bali was, we'd been to Freddie and I'd been to Bali before and it was familiar so we'd start there and then right across and then through Southeast Asia we could have easily just at Bangkok gone up into Myanmar but because Freddie had never been to Vietnam and he'd done so much of his studies in the Vietnam War and like American history he really wanted to cycle through Vietnam so we took a massive detour and went east instead of west and and rode up um, Vietnam and then like when we were in Thailand we realized we were just probably going a bit too slowly and um, we, we sort of drafted the idea of doing Georgia and Turkey because we've seen so many people go through those parts mm. and say it was just an amazing part for the world to ride so we we added Georgia and Turkey to the list and then from Greece up into London yeah. So you, you, you learn on the road as well like you learn which route to take like when you get into Vietnam you don't know which road up the country you're going to go in and then you hear from people or you like we spent a couple of days on the main road on the coastal road and we were just like fuck this it's too busy too much traffic we'll go into the we'll go inland into the Ho Chi Minh Highway and that was that was a great decision we loved it so what about that 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 like final few days in New Zealand? So you you've got your stuff together, you've got everything packed. Is that kind of like are you are you kind of had a schedule? You're confident? You've got everything ready? <laughs> no, no, it was very much a last minute thing. Eh? I was... hated the day before. Like we were because we all flatted together with our other friend Brooke, and we were we had left the move out to the day before. We were I remember vividly cleaning the walls and just stopping and thinking, this is not how I want to spend the last day in New Zealand for the, well, for who, who knows how long, because you know, we didn't really know how long we were going to take, and like, you know, Arthur and I leaving girlfriends, we've all got friends, family we want to like hang out with, and there we are, bloody cleaning was, flat like mad, just like, it was, yeah, it was, it almost, was mad. A, almost a good distraction though in a way, like it's just sort of, instead of elongating the goodbyes, it was just like we have to focus on getting this flat ready to get our bond back hopefully, and then by the time we'd finished that we went for a few drinks and then it was time to go to sleep basically and then woke up at 5am or something and then had to get to the airport and quickly say goodbye to a few few people which was a bit tough but um but yeah it was nice like well, it wasn't nice but it was <laughs> none of it was nice but but yeah so what is that I'm, I'm, i really want to know kind of like because i'm about to do the same thing you know fly pack and yeah. land and then you when you land in the airport and you port you find those boxes like going around or wherever they've been left in the airport and yeah you, is that does that feel like the start for you, mm. it was a relief. It was a massive relief. Massive we, relief. we got we relief to be leaving the airport. Yeah, we booked an Airbnb. We made it uh, easy for ourselves in Bali. We we're like, let's just pay. It was still not even that expensive, but it was like two hundred bucks or whatever between three of us, and that was like a really nice place with a pool. <laughs> and we had a, a guy, a driver, come with a little truck to pick us up from the airport, which again cost next to nothing. When you, and um, so we arrived. The bikes all the boxes all came out from the um, oversized section and our driver, the guy was there waiting for us with the truck for the bikes so we just because it's three of them it's just a big lot of equipment really chucked them on the truck and then off we went and got to the airbnb and just threw everything down the bikes the big pannier bags and everything and then just sort of like right let's exhale 
we've done the first that's the first job yeah, that's a big is. task get everything from Auckland all of the equipment like 45 kilos worth of gear each get it to the start line once you're there mm. like you can at least that's first bit done mm. yeah. so it was a relief it was a big relief yeah once that admin so it was done it was it was a massive relief but then it still didn't feel it really feel like we'd started like we'd still we still hadn't had ridden the bikes yet and yeah we had three days and Ubud sort of fluffing around doing touristy stuff and then eventually finally getting on that first day 24th of May 2017 <laughs> jumping on the bikes and I'd never ridden with panniers before and it was just like this is kind of a weird experience and then we got we didn't really get very far before we stopped for our first drinks break and had a Pukari sweat and sat down in the shade and sort of realised how hot in Indonesia was compared Ooh. to New Zealand in May so I suppose like once we got to the end of that first day we knew we definitely felt like we'd started because the legs were sort of you know they could they could feel it Sean hit the, hit the deck a couple of times. <laughs> no, I didn't. It wasn't a crash. It was <laughs> hit just the deck once, <laughs> at least. Uh, yeah, I struggled because we we all write, um, wrote diaries the whole way through. Mm. You know, my, for that entry that night, I think I wrote. I've just had the physically the hardest day of my life. <laughs> I, was, I, mean, I think it's a good thing that happened then because mm. from there, you know, it's a wake up call. It's a wake up call, but also you know. No day, well, the days themselves technically might have got harder, but I know my, obviously, ability to deal with it, just every day gets so much better, to the point where, like, you could have a day that was ten times harder than that, but it wouldn't feel mm. ten, anywhere near as hard. So, talking about the lows, <laughs> you know, like, let's, because when I spoke to um, Eric Nolan, like, last week, who's like a big bike packer, pushes himself to these things, I was asking him questions about these kind of like how do you manage yourself like when you're you know doing these kind of things and he said like you'll get them extreme highs but it always come with the extreme lows mm. so i'm really kind of curious the people that that do these kind of things like i just i guess i just want to know what the lows were <laughs> to give me the, the gossip on what the what the lowest time was <laughs> sean we'll hand it over to you yeah. uh how much detail do you want <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well if you can you crunch it into a minute or less um, than that well, there's the whole romance thing, but that's maybe another question altogether for Arthur and myself. There's a lot of lows on the bike, like just there's all the normal things like the sickness and like me without my lack of experience being like really slow compared to these two, at least at this for the first nine months, <laughs> whenever it was until Timmy arrived. Um, Psychological. Just like, yeah, it's, it is psychological. Obviously, like, sickness is sickness. But we, at the same time, sickness never really felt like a huge low for me. I know it was for Freddie, but for me, because I think I knew that that was going to happen. Mm. Like, for me, we were going to get sick, so it was kind of like, my sickness, part of it. My sickness only became a real low point for me because it just didn't feel like it was ever getting better. And I feel like we got we all got Jardia and I could, finished it and, and like a jardia in India and it carried through to Georgia and for about two or three months every single time I'd eat food I'd get nauseous like badly nauseous and so I was riding I would spend so much of my afternoons on the bikes just feeling sick and that just uh, over time that just wore me out and did you get at any point do you get start getting worried that it could be something else or no because we'd had tests we'd have all the tests done we had blood tests and we knew what it was and we just knew that it had done um, a bit of, quite a bit of damage to our um, systems and that was that was just the, the after effects of it it wasn't like there was any bugs still in it as far as we knew anyway and yeah it was just about dealing with that and 
but that again yeah, as Sean says I think physical pain is a lot easier to deal with than, than any emotional kind of pain there. yes because the physical pain you know that it's always got an end point but the hill to use an analogy there would be so so many hills that I hated and really struggled up but I knew that at some point the hill stops and the physical pain is the same thing at some point you might be feeling terrible and like you know I vomited blood like one night in Georgia and it's like yeah that sucks but Mm. you're not going to stay sick at least in my case you're not going to stay sick for weeks or like eventually that will stop and you'll feel fine and like you'll be able to enjoy what's in front of you so the mental stuff is a bit you can go I had a mental map that I illustrated a <laughs> few times where sometimes it went way down and stayed there for a little while and sometimes it picks up and, but that's part of the it comes back to the challenge of it that's part of why you do mm. stuff like this because it's if it was just a straight line on that mental map it would be pretty boring yeah. what's the point of living if it's just a straight line yeah. well that's the comfort zone right that's the yeah, exactly. straight line is not, you know what people straight are straight lining is the comfort zone comfortable is boring as shit <laughs> really <laughs> so what about these uh, these these romantic low points that I keep hearing about yeah well obviously leaving was a a pretty low point to begin with like we we'd obviously worked ourselves up and knew it was always coming for a while because we'd had the trip in, in the pipeline for Con- a context, long time context Arthur and Sean both had girlfriends before the trip yeah so we had both had girlfriends Sean and I and then um, we tried to sort of keep them going while we were on the trip, Sean's one sort of uh, deteriorated sooner than mine, um, and then, and yeah, mine sort of got to 11 months in, and then sort of found out that it wasn't going to keep going for the next wee while. And it, was just, it took a wee while to process. You know, you spent your whole time thinking it's still going to happen at the end, and the end seemed so close, and it was just a bit of a psychological hit to just an so emotional with it. How do you? Are you having to? M- manage that day to day as well is it something that's kind of emotionally kind of quite quite tough to deal with when you're on the road and you yeah kind of can't do anything about it and, and yeah I mean there was a point there when um, we were in what, Cambodia and Sean was quite keen to sort of cut the days a wee bit shorter just because of the time difference between New Zealand and Cambodia so we could stop and so he could call um, his girlfriend at the time and it was just sort of like you know trying to manage that kind of thing in the trip when you just want to sort of just focus on the trip itself mm. and then in hindsight now we look at it and we think fuck why do we do why do we you know sacrifice but it's, it's all you just live in the moment I guess and it yeah. felt like the right thing to do at the time and um, you can't really regret that I mean we'd rather it, wouldn't, it didn't happen it probably would have been better if we'd all gone on on the same level all single or something but <laughs> you know you sort of take it as it comes and it felt like the right thing to do at the time so This is a little mid-show public announcement reminding you about that t-shirt. There's probably only like just over a week left, I think. If you want to go check it out, it's everpress.com slash podcast. There'll be links in the show notes. There'll be links on the website. There'll be links on my Instagram. Go check it out. They're super cheap, like £18 if you're in the UK. I think about $32 to $35 if you're in Australia or New Zealand. Um, Add-on delivery for that as well. When the campaign ends, you'll all get your t-shirt. Like I said, I don't really make any, hardly any money out of this at all. I just want to see people wearing them. Uh, and it'd be really cool if you share those pictures as well. Anyway, back to the show. Guys, tell us your high points. Peak. 
That's genuinely like probably the hardest question. I think it's just so like the lows are easy to pick out and talk about, but the highs are like because the highs there's so many there's a scale where you really appreciate every little thing, but then there are obviously the big moments moments. But on a trip like that, there are so many big moments, and we're sharing it with you know they, these are my two closest mates, like hands down because of the trip as well. And then obviously Timmy at a later date. And you're sharing all those moments with each other. There's high moments around every corner. Mm. It's impossible to pick them. Like I, I can't even like I can in my head I'm just seeing like ten different places mm. right now. And I can't tell you which one. Yeah. Mm. yeah, it depends on the day, but like I guess for me one of the biggest moments like it was like a massive milestone for us as well, was um in Turkey. And we'd been battling into the headwind, and we'd just—I was the one who sort of said we have to go to Cappadocia, where they fly the hot air balloons, and these guys are all a bit, oh fuck, why are we going to take a detour? It's going to so fucking hard and all this shit. And but then I was like, it's going to be worth it. We'll get, we'll get there. And then it was just wet and windy, and I'd developed an injury in my just above my knee, and it was just I was struggling so much. And we were riding into this, into up this hill in the cold and the rain, and. We were approaching the 15,000 kilometre mark, which is the distance that we said we were going to do when we left. We said we're going to ride 15,000 k's to London. And we were in the middle of Turkey, and then we got to, we were within 10 kilometres going up this hill, and we're like, shit, we're going to get there on a wet, cold descent. It's going to be massively depressing. But we got to the top of the hill, and these guys sort of housed us in this like um, highway house at the top of the hill, and they fed us lunch, dinner, breakfast, and got all of our clothes dry and then we woke up in the morning to a beautifully clear day and rode three kilometers downhill no hands the whole way and then hit 15,000 k's and we stopped and sort of took in the moment of a beautiful Turkish crisp morning and that was probably my highlight yeah it was a glorious that was a glorious moment it's hard to go past the finish moment as well with yeah. having everyone there to come that finish line with that riding down I don't know what the road is but the birdcage walk riding down with the cycle london event and so we we know that our crowd is there to finish and see well to see us at the finish and eventually we just hear like we're going along we don't know where exactly where they're going to be and then eventually just hear this roar and like despite the fact that there are thousands of people there for the event we know that that roar was for us and Mm. it was like that moment where you realise not only have you just done that crazy like okay we've actually just done this but there are also like heaps of people there to have come just to see us finish it just like and just just so surreal best mates as well like we haven't seen in 14 months and just first time seeing them was just like seeing Will and Brock it was just like this is so special and then mum was obviously there as well and people that had done a bit of travel through Europe would stay with a girl in Paris and she'd come come across to see us finish and uh, my that Freddie my brother was there and his friends and my godmother had driven across as well so it was just like just being there in that moment and we dreamed about it for so long and to be there it was just yeah. like this is surreal <laughs> we didn't even notice the BBC were there filming us until yeah. we sort of came up and shook our hand after like about five minutes we were just like oh shit oh right so how did that come about then the BBC being there was it just a yeah because well, it was the um the Ride London day because uh, the, they did the Prudential Road London, so they had the free, they closed off all the roads and they were, they were just doing like a piece on that. And so they, um, yeah, so they, they wanted to to film that, but then mum was at the finish line and she saw a BBC um, camera crew and she was just like, 
my boys are about to finish their around the world bicycle trip. You've got to, you have to um, document this. And she said that we we're about 15 minutes away or 10 minutes away, which was a complete lie because we were currently at a pub on the other <laughs> on the south side of the river, and we had to go via Tower Bridge, which was because that was sort of like our. You know, in a way, it was kind of like our finish line as well. We had to cross, like the ceremonial crossing of the Thames, and then Mum te- texted us saying like, "You guys got to hurry up." The BBC are here. I was like, "Yeah, she's taking the piss." <laughs> and then it was like, "We've got a friend, message from my friend as well." And she's like, "You, you got to come. They are, they're waiting for you." And so we're like, "Okay." Nice. So if I time my trip just in time to arrive at the Ride London, yeah, yeah. could work out. Quite yeah, exactly. Hard, yeah. Nice. And have a, a, quite a pushy mother. It helps. <laughs> We can be there to do that, but... <laughs> Alright, so... This next section is going to be about the uh, the book. Um, so one of the... So you also had... I didn't know this, obviously you, nobody knew about this until we spoke recently and you said there was actually another cause or, or another um, purpose to your trip. I guess, do you want to just talk about that kind of... what you were aiming to do during your trip? Mm. So um, we always set out. We, we, in terms of documenting the, the whole thing. Sean, being a photographer, we kind of set out with the idea that we would do a book from it. We would um, put together a coffee table, style kind of book, which is lots of imagery based, and then just tell our story. Tell, just I suppose create a, a travel book, which was um, both like an, ideally like an art piece that was full of beautiful photography, and then also whatever happened on and as part of our story so we set off with that in mind um, and that's why Sean was always snapping photos just taking as many as possible and um, yeah we just we came back and we've been working super hard on putting it all together and um, putting pictures together for publishers and um, I suppose just working out exactly yeah, what the book is going to be like working it all out and um, yeah it's just been progressing from there and so, so how do you how do you end up going about finding a publisher? Like, what what, what do you do? Uh, so we met with, we just started off trying to get information. So our our good friend, our best friend's um, auntie was formerly in publishing, or still is in publishing. But um, um, so she just offered us some very very good advice, sound advice as to what we needed to do to get a good pitch in front of um, the right people. Um, she gave us the contacts at, at the right publishing places too, which was just so in, invaluable. And um, from there, we talked to another lovely person who helped us out um, and gave us advice on what we needed to do for the pitch. And then we put the pitch together and we just sent it out. And um, by that point, we'd already done sort of put together example chapters, and so I'd been designing it. And Freddie, at that point, had written quite a lot. Mm. And yeah, just things just yeah, went from there, and we suddenly got a couple of replies, and one of them was um, from Penguin Random House. They were interested in looking at it, and so we went in for meetings, and then um, charmed the socks off them. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were just just all the stars, I suppose, have aligned thus far, and um, yeah, they've been super supportive of, our, of what we want to do, and we've just been working with them to to work it all out and get, you know, finalise everything and start working towards the end product. Mm. We were also a little bit lucky. They in, the, in that initial meeting, he said that they were wanting to do a cycling book, so we'd sort of got them at the right time, I guess. Nice. Yeah. So, so 
you, you don't know a release date yet. No. Did he first? <laughs> <laughs> of any month, any yeah, yeah, month. Yeah. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> no, we don't know. We don't know. We don't have that yet. But um, yeah, cool. we're, just, we're working away hard at it, so it's going to be in the not too distant future. Mm. Because I guess w one thing I'm super interested in, why I wanted to talk about that as well, is because it's it's kind of um, interesting that you had a kind of um, I guess a purpose to your, your trip as well. It wasn't just a trip you wanted to do just because you wanted to get away. There was something. There was always a purpose to doing it, you know. Um, and it's, I guess it's the, the the kind of thing I'm doing with the, with the podcast. You know, I, I want to actually um, create as well. Eventually, create something that's 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 useful to someone, or people can look back at it and, and actually find something. So, I'm interested to know, like from a creative point of view, um, how important do you think it is to do a trip and have something that um, kind of drives you forward, even though the you, you know you're pushing your pedals forward to drive you forward. But you know how, how important is it to, to to actually go? I mean, would you have done the trip without the the the, the book or the idea mm. of the book? Yeah, we would have. But definitely. I would have always have thought that naturally the book comes from the trip. I think. Yeah, it, it kind of tied it in, in a way. It tied us to um, a sense of normality, and it, had, it gave us a sense of um, work. Um, and purpose that was more normal you know it was a project that you might do a normal life to create a book or to, to come up with a collection of f photos it was um, it meant that we were progressing our, um, our, I suppose our careers or our, or our development as people it was it was all part of that mm. and it made us feel still tied to that like we weren't just taking a big holiday not that this ever you could ever consider this a holiday but you know it just added that little level of um, Meaning. meaning I suppose yeah you're right and I think a massive thing actually is probably helping just for just for us personally the transition it helps with you know once we got home from the trip that wasn't just a you know an end point now now we've got this big project about the trip that's you know another year or whatever down the line to work towards and it's another thing to focus on rather mm. than just being sort of going cold turkey hmm. so your trip like, kind of hasn't ended in a way no, so yeah. it's, it kind of it's just still... a different sort of it's a different end point yeah. mm -hmm. I don't know if anyone's even if they're not doing a book I don't think anyone's trip ever ends just like that I think it's always with you and like the impact it has on you is always influencing your day to day for god knows how long maybe forever like you look at everyone who's done a trip I've talked to it's it changes the way you behave as a human and the way you um, interact with people um, it changes yeah so much you really do develop a lot on it so I don't mm. think you ever really like the trip never really leaves you in any way but the book definitely for sure has kind of given it a bit of legs and helped this process it all, I also think it validates it feels like it reminds us how awesome it was like the fact that we're working on this thing that's worthy of being a book we get to go like the fact that someone like Penguin wants to wants to tell our story like yeah it is it was really awesome mm. and we did do a good job of documenting it and all that sort of stuff so talking of documenting it like how how what was your process for documenting did you have a plan in place that you were going to do or <laughs> nah just <laughs> if I put it colloquially sort of just shoot the shit out of it basically mm. like I took I took 35,000 photos which everyone goes like, God, that's a lot. But really, when you actually think about 
if you, you know if you were going on if say you were going on holiday every day you would take like a lot of photos each day it was just for us we were seeing something new every single day and not only was it new but it was interesting and it was all those highs and lows at the same time you could and all these new different things around every corner and like you just you have to mm. obviously because the book was part of it but also like just the memories it's just so much so much to take in you'd never remember any of it like all of it it's just yeah but so there wasn't like a it wasn't a formula or anything it was just it was looks of, worthy of like you know remembering because we shot video as well I, I had a GoPro Arthur had a GoPro we had a, a drone which Arthur flew predominantly Arthur flew that and Sean Sean did stills so there was a little formula I suppose to shooting it all and documenting it but yeah it was just if it looks good get it out mm. and shoot it <laughs> yeah yeah so don't be obsessed with a plan that you have to stick to just, yeah. just and sometimes when it doesn't look good or when it's difficult shoot it that was the hardest part when you're ill or when you're someone's sick to actually try and get photos of that because that's super important but mm. often you just you go in survival mode or you go like let's get through this mode but mm. it's worth worthy of shooting so. yeah. one of my regrets is probably not taking another camera of similar quality to Sean's to have with Freddie and I the whole time because like obviously when Sean was feeling shit it'd be hard to be like Sean time to get the camera out and he'd just you know be shattered and mm. Like I wish I'd had the um, had a camera of similar quality to be able to get Sean in those moments without him arriving and then stealing the camera off of them and then trying to get the photo. It's not quite as mm. authentic as if you just you know if he's just turned up. Like I mean, one day in Georgia, I was like Sean was feeling he was really reeling from the sickness from Delhi and we'd just left Tbilisi on the the coldest day in the Georgian calendar. And so I was like Sean, I'm taking the camera off you. And then Freddie and I went up ahead and then Sean was lagging because he had back spasms and he was ill. And then, um, and then I got—I was getting photos of him. And just we just heard him come out of the fog, and he was just yelling in pain. And and then so I just get a photo of him just like drooped over the handlebars, in the in the snow and the ice. It was just like it was quite quite cool to actually be able to get that moment before you know he, yeah, before he got back. So on that on that note, then final question: If you were going to give advice to someone else planning a similar trip, a trip on a bike covering quite a big distance, you know. What would you uh, what would you give them? Just get out there and start and go. It's the best thing you'll ever do. <laughs> and don't be afraid. Don't to, overthink it. Don't yeah. be afraid to ask for help as well. Like, yeah, because one thing we learned from the trip was that people are amazingly kind and willing to offer you help, and especially on a bicycle. Like, you're you're putting yourself out there. You you know the the whole challenge aspect of the trip was that you you know you're riding every day. And people can see that you're struggling and if you are struggling don't be afraid to ask for help because there's so many people out there in whatever country it is like people with the least often gave the most i thought and mm. so yeah just like, i think at the start we were maybe a little bit more reluctant to mm. we were sort of insular in our little in our little group of three but i guess maybe that was the group mentality as well but then after a while we got to say through turkey and stuff and we just asked people if we could camp on anywhere and they just say yes and mm. often they just yeah that open up and I think that being by, by yourself that will like open up even more there will be so many people willing to don't worry about problems as well because you, you'll fix them like you always do you don't have a choice and there's always something to you know, if a bike breaks you'll get you'll get the right part 
no matter where you are, you'll be able to fix it. Or you'll be able to get someone to throw your bike on the back of a ute for a little bit and get you to a next town, you know? It's like, we, I, I was nervous about all that stuff at the start, but then you realise it's just, everyone wants to help you and everyone sees what you're doing is hard and you just, you'll get there. So if you just keep chipping away and stay positive, you'll always get there. Mm. And one thing that we did, like, I really, I was really glad that we ended up doing it. We made a, a sort of a habit of every night we'd sit down together and sort of, Sean came up with the idea of doing peaks and pits, so we'd we'd highlight the the best part and the worst part of our day, and so it was just that reflection, I think, and it's sort of just the pinch yourself moments, just to be like, just to realise what you're doing, and like mm. if when we sometimes we'd have our pits, and one of Sean's pits was there was a bee flying around that annoyed him, and we we thought about it, and we're like, it's a pretty good pit to have, <laughs> like think about other some other people were <laughs> so the cat fight. Um, but yeah, we um, you know, when you you're in those those moments and you um, <laughs> you have your the time where it's I don't know I've sort of lost my train of thought now. Disturbed <laughs> <laughs> by the cat. Yeah. By the cat um, mm. But yeah, you you have your those moments and you just yeah pinch yourself and just realize how cool the thing that you're doing is. Just savor every little, like even the smallest thing. Because when, when you're putting yourself through all that stuff and everything feels really hard, as soon as you have the tiniest thing that's just nice, it's like you just stop and appreciate it. Mm. And we're still, we I think we're still all like that. It doesn't take a really shit day on the bike to make mm. us think like that. It's just how we are still. Mm. Yeah. I don't think we took it for granted. I think we did pinch ourselves quite a lot and we realised like when one person I suppose having multiple people on the trip there was like a, this theory I created which obviously already exists but it's like a psychological comparative theory and you like you sort of feel better when someone else is feeling worse mm. but then like in those moments you sort of realise just how, how good it is what you've got on the trip so um finally what's next you guys are off, We're off somewhere. To, Sean and I are moving to London in a couple of Sean in a few days, me in a couple of weeks. Uh, but we'll probably do something else bike related at some point. Pamir Highway is always is looks on the cards at some stage, so maybe Vancouver to Buenos Aires. Yeah, maybe a South American trip's got a lot of popular support. Yeah. I mean one of the annoying things going through, you know, just countries every like three weeks or so. You just learn a little bit of the language and then you leave. Whereas if you go through South America, then it speaks Spanish, <laughs> and yeah. you just keep speaking Spanish and a bit of Portuguese. <laughs> so yeah, South America is popular in the ranks, and we've said it here. So maybe now we have to do it. <laughs> maybe it'll happen. Yeah, yeah. The next podcast will be like your post South American <laughs> trip. We'll do it. Yeah. We'll speak in <laughs> Spanish. <laughs> next book, you know, yeah. series you'll, of books. You'll have now. to learn Spanish to do that one with us. Fully Spanish. All right, boys. Thanks for joining. Thanks for sharing. Um, if you've got anything else to add, add it now. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks for listening in to us. We appreciate it. Spread the love. Spread love. Peace. <laughs> <laughs> to thanks, guys. Um, thanks for sharing. Pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, thank you. It's been awesome. Good luck, boys, with your time in England. Thanks for sharing all those stories with us. Don't forget you can follow them, Big Bike Trip New Zealand. Uh, give them a Google. Show notes as well. Look forward to hearing about the book and when that gets published, keep an eye out for that. Thanks for listening and don't forget to follow the show uh, at Peddling Podcast. 
look in the show notes it's all in there guys and look forward to bringing in the next series which is based in australia so uh next show is attica attack attack i don't know how to say it myself uh, but i'll talk about it in the show Thank you.